0: Hello, my name is Kriti Shah and I'm a journalist and author and you're listening to the Us People podcast with Xavier Rocks.
1: Hey guys and welcome to another episode of the Yes People podcast. I'm your host Savi Marks and today I'm humbled to have Durruti here with me who is a BBC journalist, producer, storyteller and author. Durruti, thank you so much for coming on the Yes People podcast. How are you?
0: Hi, Savia, Thank you so much for having me. It's like an amazing podcast. You've had such high calibre guests that I feel honoured and, um, and humbled, humbled. <laughs> you can tell the London's already come into play here. Um, but no, I'm, I'm well, thank you very much.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's, it's really nice to have you even before I need to let everyone know because it's actually really, really nice, even before me and Duluthi, um started recording we had a conversation for at least a good half an hour which was really which was really nice and we're talking about different things and stuff but I really am humbled to have you on the show and thank you so much for coming on. Um, My first question for you is could you tell us a little bit about your background who you are as a person and what influenced you to be the person who you are today?
0: lucky i'm not having an existential crisis at the moment well um so i am um so i'm in my late 30s um i am you can hit tell by the accent um, apparently i am a londoner um i i'm indian heritage but my families from um from Kenya from um so there is African heritage as far as I'm concerned and I will very much go around telling people I am British Kenyan Indian and and take that on and I'm really proud of that because I think it definitely contributes to the identity you know you grow you grow up in a household where there's a mixture the smatterings of Swahili with Gujarati and clearly the English and then you know I really wish I had the ability to do this, but my parents like speak multiple languages. Like you do know, probably about sort of five, six, seven each, wow. which I wish I could do, but I can't. I, I really, I really can't, which I'm really sad about, but it is what it is. Um, and I'm very lucky that I, um that I have this family that I am lucky, you know, who I am, I think I have my insecurities like everybody else does. Um, but yeah, I'm, if you want like the short, more succinct version um. Yeah, I'm a journalist. I'm an author. I've just written my first book, which is super cool because you don't see people with my name having books. Like, you know, growing up, that was like, Druthi? Like, you know, who called Druthi writes books? Although I've now found out other people called Druthi apparently write books, which is a bit annoying. (laughs) But, you know, respect to everybody. Um, I guess I break barriers, which, you know, sometimes I think you have to take ownership of if you're trying to encourage other people. So I try to keep continuing... Um, I try not to just because someone else thinks that something's perhaps not suitable for me it's up to me to make that decision so you know I, I do come from a working class background like I do I did go to a state school um, I did go to Oxford um, so yeah. I did definitely try perhaps a, um, as far as I could with my education in, in that respect um, I have been working at the BBC for about 12 years and wow. um, I started in local papers, so I have that background as well. So there is substance as well. Um, I have two fellowships under my belt um, one in tra- uh, trauma journalism, one in peace and conflict resolution. Um, I've traveled overseas. I like traveling, like me- meeting people. So that's clearly all a part of my identity. I love words, I love stories, I love um, escaping into stories and telling stories, as, as you can tell. Um, for me like my jain faith so I, i'm a minority there aren't actually that many jains around so i was brought up in that faith and that's very important to me and that's a very peaceful faith um it you know involves nonviolence um and i'm glad i was brought up in that faith um, but then at the same time you know we live in in the uk and and we've got things like um, you know secular elements christian elements and and so you factor that in and 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 you take on of your surroundings at the end of the day um but yeah so it's really hard to just say one thing because I think they have that thing isn't it that your cells regenerate like every seven like you know you're a new person every seven years as it were and I think that's that I find that really interesting because I think sometimes I look back at old pictures and I'm like who was that person like I know that person but what can I say to that you know 17 year old like 23 year old you know 35 year old what can i say to them about who i am now and the lessons that they had to go through not every not every lesson is easy but they had to go through to get to to this position so yeah that wasn't maybe the most succinct answer um i'm a far more succinct writer
1: (laughs) but yeah (laughs) that's who i am it's mishmash i'm a mishmash i I love that (laughs) who have been the strongest influences in your life
0: my mum, my dad i'd have to say um you know, they've gone through a lot. And, you know, they moved several continents, several countries to, to come to the UK. Um, and they are Commonwealth citizens. Um, and when you see what they had to go through, it's, it often gives me a lot of perspective about um, some of the challenges that I'm going through. Like they are clearly the most sort of strongest people that I know. And what's really great in terms of my family, and my, you know, my sister's are absolutely brilliant, you know my um is that they show me what I want to look for in mentors and sponsors elsewhere in different parts of my life. So I've been very fortunate that because I've got such a strong matriarch in in my family in in my mother that when you know when I went to Oxford or when I was at started at the BBC, so two places perhaps I wouldn't initially have thought to have turned up at yeah. I was able to go and spot matriarchs who who played such a key mentor role with me um and I know now that when I go elsewhere uh, in my career and my in my lifetime that that's something that I will often need as a guiding force so I'm very lucky in that that was um that I was not so much taught that because you know there was never sort of look out for this it was more that I had that exposure you know my mum's... we're always about empowerment we're always about you know you can do practically whatever you want to do I mean if you don't want to do something maybe you're a bit lazy at things but no no it's more like you know there's nothing stopping you from from doing something we're not gonna you, and I think that's really important actually I'm really good I'm really grateful um I haven't actually thought about that in a while so I'm really grateful to you for asking that question because it does it does remind me of my privilege in that respect because not everybody has
1: that. I like that. I like that answer. I like the fact that you came out with that. That was really cool. Thank you. What is it about storytelling that you find so important, especially within different cultures as well? How does storytelling help you as an individual and how do you think it reflects and helps other people within different cultures and classes?
0: It helps navigate a way. It helps navigate pathways that if you can make a story out of something um, or spot a story Mm -hmm. in something that you're then able to sort of understand and put jigsaw pieces together, as it were. It also means that we can all communicate and we can communicate whatever cultures we're from, even if you're not able to have the same linguistic abilities um, or the same languages. by ab- by being able to construct a story you're able to move on so here's one example so when i was in thailand for my um for one of my fellowships where we were particularly staying in a in a very student area because i was studying um i'd often have a bit of trouble because i'm vegetarian um i'm vegetarian yeah. where i don't um you know, there's, there are certain things I just sort of avoid like I don't really eat eggs they look like eggs which is a whole nother story but there you go um and where I was very lucky I think is that I would go places and there um there was no English so the the menus for example would all be in Thai and then it was having to factor in a way of coming up with a story that both I could tell but the uh, the the uh, restaurant owners or the staff were able to be the recipients of where we were able to to have some sort of communication, some sort of dialogue where I'd be able to eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were able to provide food that met my dietary requirements, despite the fact that they did not speak the English. And I did not have the Thai, sadly enough. Thai is an amazing language. It's a very difficult language. And I was not there long enough to be able to pick pick up, I mean, the terms that I perhaps would have needed. But you know what really is important when it comes to storytelling? La- body language. That's also a key yeah. part. So it's not just words. You're think. You know. You're looking at a whole sort of component kit of parts, and a smile goes a really long way in cultures uh, where you do have that um, missing dialogue in that respect. And so, yeah, I I was never in my own all my time there. I was well. I was well fed. In terms of being able to, you know, with my smile, somehow we were able to sort of communicate that they realised that I was I was vegetarian um, oh, wow. and couldn't eat any meat, um, meat substances. Um, so that's where storytelling, I think, is really important. I mean, that's just a small, small, very personal example. But again, I'm very lucky in that I have the privilege of, of working for, you know, an amazing broadcaster, the most trusted brand in, in, the, um, yeah. in the world, as it were, and being able to uh, re- represent other people in terms of you know, if someone tells me their story, being able to then contextualize it, provide an impartial and more sort of balanced view of what's going on, and then uh, putting it out into the world, where again, because of the level the, the platform for 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 which I work, that you know you can see you can see changes happen, you can see um, the story being out there and 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 people taking heed of it, um, and that really does drive home again, that whole point about sort of uh, the platform and the importance of storytelling and and, and the position they plays. And in fact, today I was talking to somebody where they'd said, oh, you know, we'd, we'd been able to contact um, a member of the public who got in touch with us. And although it didn't make a huge story, because it didn't, just by sort of us being involved and saying, look, we're, we're looking into this, because they did have quite an interesting case um, where they were having severe trouble... Uh, you know it it shed a spotlight on what was going on with them and in fact then the situation was resolved and it made a huge difference to their life they were like a nurse it it made a significant difference to, to stresses that they were having just by us even in the first instance having a look at it and I think that's really important like you know being able to allow people to sort of tell their own stories and yeah. being able to contextualise it because you have to be careful nowadays, especially in the world of disinformation and misinformation. Again, I mean saying that that's also a really clear example of how people are utilizing stories and for their own purposes and their own agendas. And so it's important, you know, how can you engage in conversation if you don't know what the tools are?
1: That's true.
0: storytelling comes into play.
1: What is it about? What do you look for when you're looking for a story? What stands out to you? What grabs you and say, this is what I'm looking for. This is a niche. This is, this is excellent. What do you look for in a story?
0: For me, the overriding force is it's got to make people think differently. It's got, it's literally got to do that. So bearing in mind that I've been doing, I mean, I've been doing journalism unofficially since I was about eight years old. So this is a long time. So often I'm very lucky in that my gut actually now plays a, a significant role in terms of being like, I know straight away. This is something to follow. And that has taken years to hone and train. But there are, you know, there are certain things where you have news values that you're following. Um, but to to keep it as simple as possible. And when I run like masterclasses on storytelling, that's the thing that I try and um hope would be the takeaway, as it were. You know, has this made you think differently? If it has, then clearly the story has been told in in a significant way. So when you're looking for things, when you're looking to perhaps share items or you're looking to read through something uh read through and deconstruct an article um or or a video or or a radio piece has it done its job by making you think differently by providing a different perspective um a new perspective if so then then clearly that's a it's an amazing story you know some of them will stick with you forever some will only stick with you for a couple of days it doesn't matter the point is has it made you just be able to sort of move on in a different way
1: and change your mindset i like that i definitely like that how do you manage stress when it comes to your work (laughs) look (laughs) on your face
0: (laughs) raspberries um i'm i mean it's the thing though i think with stress we go through ups i mean i think humans generally we go through ups and downs and you can come up with one coping mechanism and then you have to come up with yet another because you know different stresses come into play um, and so you have to then come up with a, a far more bespoke uh, yeah. way of dealing with it depending on what it is and you know for me you know at one point actually that like reading was my sort of pure and utter sanctuary and then there came a point where I wasn't actually able to read as much and as in depth as I would like because it became more time poor and so actually the reading element became more stressful like just more sort of fiction um, and so I had to be like that's not a stress reliever if it's becoming stressful yeah but what i do do and I, i've um i found incredibly helpful is i do a lot of um <laughs> we're in such a digital world at the moment and i do a lot of digital uh storytelling news gathering but it for me it's really important to always have a notebook nearby um like an actual physical entity and a pen like And whatever's in my head, whether it's a doodle, whether it's a couple of words, whether it's a blurt out thought, I find that really stress relieving to just get it out from my head where it's whirling around and I don't, you know, you're trying to figure out what is it thinking about something 10 steps ahead which apparently my brain does or is it thinking about the current situation or is it thinking about a particular work thing or is it thinking about a life admin thing or is it thinking about oh my god this is happening don't know so what i now do is just get it out and then deal with it then and also be able to take control i find that really stress relieving i think i mean one of the other things i think a lot of people do actually, I was talking to people about that because every so often I will ask for more tips and advice and I find that when I do ask and I'm more open about it that um, often people will step in and they will say I'm having the same troubles or I'm I'm feeling melancholy or I'm having stresses. Yeah. That walks, walks are incredibly helpful. Um, even if you're just taking like a five minute walk outside that I find can be stress relieving. And again, and I think that's because of pers- uh, offering a different perspective. So walks I find really helpful as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, definitely have paper, a physical paper and pen with you to get it out of your head.
1: I think I do that constantly. I'm always having one in my hand. So I totally understand where you're coming from. How important do you feel it is as a woman? And especially with a culture like yours, you have so many different cultures to have a voice in the world. And how do you feel that will have an impact on the next generation coming in who wants to be a journalist or a writer or an author?
0: I think it's really 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 important that i use the privilege that i have now in that you know i have a a really good reputation that i have standing that my work is respected within my circles that i you i i don't just keep it to myself you know and so i do volunteer I'm on the board of the John Schofield Trust, which is a charity which helps mentor young journalists and sort of um, does masterclasses. And so I do offer up time for that. I do a lot of other volunteering beyond that. You know, even years and years ago, I was like a volunteer mentor for the Social Mobility Foundation because at the end of the day, if you look at me as a case study, I am a, a case study for social mobility. You know, I'm at the BBC. For, I went to Oxford. I come from, like I said, it, it's a very clear, clear cut in that respect. And, um, you know, as a Jane, as a woman, as, um, I'll say, relatively young, not not, not so anymore, yeah, but yeah. In, a, in a certain gap, it's it's important for me to to represent, to, I can't represent everybody. I can't represent, I can't even represent anybody as it were because we're all so very different. But what I can say is I followed this path. I did not follow the rules in that respect because those rules are not there for people like me. Those rules that perhaps others are able to follow, they don't work for people like me. So I have to come up with more chameleon like ways in order to be able to adapt. The fact is, I've got, you know, I do have a book out now and that took four years to get to uh, the point of publication. And in a pandemic, I do not have an agent. It's a book that, you know, when I first came up with the idea, people were like, this is ridiculous because there was nothing like it out on the market and i had to try and find others who actually believe that's the other thing it's like showing people you're not going to be alone you're what you have to do is try and find others who believe in you and i think that's really important so with my book i was able to find eventually find my tribe as it were and 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 push and pushing and, and and go out there and in terms of the the importance of being somebody who can I'm not saying that people look up to me but you know people who uh, the importance of acknowledging that there are role model um yeah. elements is really key like i do think you have to give back to the community i do think you have to be open about the difficulties that it, 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 you can have you know when you are a minor minority in lots of different ways and you you're pushing for inclusion and diversity. If we don't talk about it, if we don't give that voice, as, as you mentioned that word, if we don't give that voice, then there'll be plenty of feet, others who will feel isolated and, and alone. And, and that's why we all need to talk a lot more about our own pathways and and share information um, so that we can all work together and it can be a lot more cohesive. You know, We'll always have our own individuality. I will always be me there's not going to be anyone like me. Much yeah. like I'm not going to be somebody else. But at the same time, I would hope those who are coming behind by extending, you know, um, a hand of friendship, as it were, a hand of like, you know, let let me mentor, let me show you. It helps them. For me, I got into this pathway because I had people who showed me kindness. I had no connections. I wanted, I mean, I, you know, I wanted to be a journalist and I've learned in now that that was not an easy path to pursue. Not that, he, you know, I thought it was going to, I was eight years old, I thought I was just going to tell stories. And then it's, it's, it involves a lot more than that. And I think most industries end up involving a lot more than than that simplistic view.
1: Yeah.
0: And not that I think you should ever sort of, I think it's important to have a degree of realism, especially when you're a teenager, for example, and embarking on a path about how for many people who perhaps are of colour or are women, that it is a bit harder and you have to really consider that in terms of how you're going to move forwards in your career.
1: I always feel that we have to work twice as hard to be noticed. I don't yeah. know if you agree with the concept that I'm trying to bring across. Yeah.
0: I think you do. I think you do have to work twice as hard or you have to d- definitely spotlight what you're doing um, or get somebody to or get sponsors who will spotlight what you're doing, because there are, I think a lot of, um, I mean, there's lots of research. I mean, it's not even, I think, there is research around the fact that, you know, that people will stereotype you or they will um, box you in a, in a certain way. And, and, Perhaps in ways that others wouldn't necessarily be treated, and yeah, it does mean that you have to take ownership of your achievements. And so I, that's a lesson that I've learned that I definitely recommend to to others, whatever industry they're in. That if you did that, and you had, or oh, you played played a key part in that, then t- you should tell people, you yeah. know, because who else is going to sort of push you forward?
1: That's true. I totally agree with you. How do you take yourself out of your comfort zone? Because a lot of people stay within their comfort zone and stay right there and they don't move. They're like, okay, I'm comfortable here. This is how I write. This is how I I look at things. This is how I educate myself. How do you take yourself out of your comfort zone so you can develop and evolve?
0: I do it. I do it every day. I mean, I don't have a choice to, 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 to be in a comfort zone, to be perfectly frank with you um there are moments when i have to accept that i am at risk of burnout or i've i've i need to protect myself um and that's when i need to take a, a, a what's the word you know put the brakes on as it were and then sometimes it's fine to feel a bit comfortable in one element of life but let's face it you might feel comfortable in one element but that's because probably Fifteen other things are going on in your life that you don't feel comfortable with. That you know you're having to start a life admin because things are always getting thrown at you, or you're working on a passion project, which you know will clearly not be comfortable. If it's, I don't think passion projects are ever, ever comfortable. To be perfectly frank with you, <laughs> you know, or you might be working on on exercise, you know, on exercise or something else. I don't know, and I think that's important to again to acknowledge. But yeah, I'm. I mean. You know, I, a few years ago, I came to. I I finally accepted. It. Now I do tell people, I am afraid of everything. Probably, like I am, yeah. pet, like I am not petrified. I'm 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 scared. I'm scared of a lot of things. I, do, I and it could be because of like my life experiences, because of the nature of things. Um, you know, workwise, for example, that I've been exposed to. Because I'm dealing with news, and and not everything is necessarily positive. I mean, a lot of things are, but also a lot of things aren't. So you you do factor that in. And it's I can sit there like a yeah, another animal pump, like a rabbit. Oh or, or I just have to keep going. I just have to swallow it and be like, yeah, you know what, this might not work out. You know what? This is going to be really difficult. But I'm gonna have to keep going because I don't have any other choice. You know, you're asking me earlier about you know your inspirations and your influence and you yeah. know people who've been influencing you. Again, that goes back to family. They had to keep going to get to this the point at which we're at now and so for me that's really really important as a grounding method that whereas I might be scared whereas I might be anxious whereas I might think oh you know things are going brilliantly but other elements perhaps could be better Mm -hmm. I just keep having to go there's I don't have a choice
1: uh, I understand that that definitely makes sense to me which kind of leads me on to my next question what one question would you like people to ask you but they rarely ever do is there a question that you would like people to ask you you're laughing <laughs> yeah. I was
0: talking about this earlier today um, especially, I don't know maybe it's the pandemic thing I'm like how are you
1: yeah yeah like, I mean, there's, there's different types of how are yous, and I don't know if we can break it down. There's how are you, a general how are you, and then there's a really like how are you inside kind of how are you. Are you talking about that kind of how are you?
0: Right but see, that's the thing. I, yeah, I think we should definitely accept that there are different types, but I think a general how are you, because you can depend on what mood you're in, or it depends on who you're talking to. Like, that's you know, true. sometimes you're like, I want to, you know, deep and meaningful, but there are times i like, i'm all right and i think that i don't know whether it's a cultural thing or whether it's you know people are forgetting I'm not, and i'm not even just talking about myself like you know i'm in terms of people asking me and i probably need to do it more or so but i was thinking about it so it's weird that you've said this because i was actually thinking about this quite extensively today um in fact i was writing about it in my in my read book, So that's it's quite serendipitous dip- um yeah how are you because the thing is it's such an open question that you could get any answer from that depending on the mood of either myself or whoever it is that I'm asking or you know whoever you choose to ask I think it's such a simple yet powerful question with so many different layers and the other thing that I like about it is it gives control to the person who's the recipient
1: yes that's true that is definitely true um I don't know if a lot of people have been asking how are you but I just see people, when they do ask it, I just see it as in a general term, like they feel like they're forced to ask it. Not that it's a genuine nature of, how are you?
0: But that's exactly, that. do I, I, you know, I completely agree with you. And I think that maybe it needs a different way of wording it, but I think it's so simple. It's the in, insincerity of it. Yes. You're looking for a genuine, how are you? And I think if we, if people ask each other that a lot more, it would probably Lead to better situations.
1: That's true. I like that answer. That makes sense to me. How do you motivate yourself to take action?
0: If I had more sleep, I'd probably be more motivated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel.
0: Honestly, I'm constant. For me, accountability is really important. Mm-hmm. And I have to think about the end goal. And what do I actually want? Or if not me, if like, you know, others. And that goes back to that, making people think differently in all aspects of life. So that's one way of keeping motivated. Um, so, again, I'll just use the book as an example because it's mo- most recent and clearly it's in my head. But like I said, it took four years from from concept to publication with many obstacles in the way with many um naysayers um and you know we had hun- we we had multiple rejections as well i mean that's just the people who actually got back to us uh and it's not nice to be rejected in any um element of life whether it's work or whether it's like you know dating or whether it's books or whatever it's it's not nice and I could very easily have just been like, you know, I said to Dominic, who's the who's the illustrator, um, yeah, what's the point? You know, it's we've been doing this for two years. What's the point? Just leave it now. You know, we're not, nobody's interested. Nobody cares. And in terms of the motivation, having that accountability that I'd got, you know, I brought Dominic on board with me on this journey and he believed in it, that, you know, when I speak to my, my niece and nephew, that they really believed in it. So I knew it wasn't just something for adults, this this business vestry, this guide to animals in the business world, you know, tiger economies, line economies, bear markets, cash cows, um, you know, it's, it's an illustrated guide that just didn't exist. And when I'd see my nephew, he'd always be like, oh, have you tried this children's publisher? Have you tried this? And so there's that element of accountability there that there's no way I'd have felt good had it just stopped. I mean, what sort of lesson am am i am i teaching it it, it it wouldn't work you've got to try to your to your hardest and that's what kept me going in terms of that thing that particular product and you know the journey's not over i haven't you know ha- having to keep sort of tell people about it i haven't because i want people to to take it and understand because we are in a post-covid economy and money matters do affect everybody at the end of the day you know i keep using this stat that i discovered that um only one in three people uh globally believe that they have the confidence to talk about financial concepts that's not great that is really not great at all that the financial literacy levels are so low um i mean that was before covid happened so who knows what's going to be what the situation is going to be like now and then you keep seeing on google trends spikes and stuff so for me it was like there is this book is necessary because there's no other book like it right now you know and and so that's what kept motivating me that it's like it will be filling a need. And and in a way I've been vindicated. Oh, Dominic and I have been vindicated because you know, on publication day it became an Amazon bestseller. See. You know, it has, is now on university reading lists. I've got like multiple pictures of kids who've who've like, you know, their parents have bought it or whatever and then they've opened up the the package um including independent booksellers by the way being impartial but you know they've opened up the package and then the kids because the illustrations are so strong the kids have taken it and they're just looking at the pictures. they don't need to know the words they just need to not be scared of business concepts so as far as i'm concerned it's 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 done what it needed to do and and i've got you know you've got i've got top economists saying like we didn't know some of these terms in here and this is quite a fun book so it's it's met that whole whole demand and so in terms of the motivation. I feel clearly when I put my mind to something it can work yeah. and that's really important but it's also factoring now you know one of the other lessons learned from this particular motivation project is you have to take a breather at times when it is overwhelming and you are exhausted and fed up because I'm sure Dominic was as fed up as I was on occasion we like you know yet another rejection oh still nobody wants us to you know and then you go, but look, look what I just found. Oh my God, have you read this? There's like a new animal in the papers. Should we like go and try and illustrate it? And like this year when when the pandemic happened and fair enough, we had a book deal by that point, but we were like going, we have to get hamster calf in because hamster calf means hamster purchase and all this stockpiling that's going on where you've got the toilet rolls um, that people are taking. Why don't we like do a little illustration and some like very witty, like very short definition because that's what the book's about. And so what you've got now in that, with that particular image is you've got a hamster in a trolley surrounded by toilet rolls with to- two toilet rolls in its mouth so very simple illustrations yeah. but yet we're reflecting something that's going on and we know that stockpiling does happen like you know in this pandemic in, in in other situations and so that means in in this instance people can of all ages can go away and be like oh I've seen hamster calf in the news let me just quickly open my book oh this is funny what a funny picture that's going to stay in my head I'm going to remember the terms.
1: yes Yes. so that's how you brought it all together I know that let's talk about your book more because I'm actually liking the concept of hearing about it as well so I'm going to put my papers down now because (laughs) I want to know even more about it talk to me about breaking down your book into different sections
0: yeah so originally we had like an i so i had the i was going through therapy when i wow. first had the idea so I, this is talking about sort of the sketching and the doodling um uh you know i was having therapy and one of the things to get all the ideas out of my head because i think it's really important that when you need professional help that you try and seek professional help um and she's like you know you've got a lot going on in your head why don't you start sketching at that point i'd also started a new um i'd taken on a relatively new role working in business. And and I felt false imposter syndrome, to be perfectly frank with you, because although I'm really good at storytelling, I do not have an economics background. I'm not an investment, you know, I don't, I've never worked in an investment bank. Um, I I don't have that history, as it were. And I'm with some amazing people who clearly know what they're talking about, who are able to sort of discuss these concepts, you know, uh, because they're immersed in them. But if my role is to encourage people to who don't understand said concepts to, to not be afraid of them, then I have, to, you know, and that's not just animals, but just generally, then, then I have to really think of like very clever ways in which to be able to yeah. do that, but not clever enough that they're alienating. And for me, I was, you know, when I would hear things like, Oh, you know, this, per- this, um, you know, the chancellor is a hawk or, or we're going to go and sort of see some unicorns. In my head, the first thing that comes to mind isn't economic terms. It's more, fairy tales to be perfectly frank with you or nature things um and so i would start sketching i start drawing and then the more it did this the more i realized quite how many terms there are like you you will have heard of a cash cow yeah. before you know even sacred cows are the terms used in business you've got your bear markets i didn't fully understand what a bear market was until i embarked on this if i'm perfectly frank with you um, you've got bull markets again they're used in common parlance in in newspapers in general newspapers not just in like the you know the financial times or or, or forbes etc so these terms are all around us but how many of us actually understand what they mean or how they how they operate i wouldn't say that a huge amount does and yet they affect our lives in many many different ways like if you have like you know we're all supposed we're all supposed to have pensions nowadays but do you know what the invest uh People who are taking care of any investments in your pension, what they're actually like, like how they invest, what sort of you know behavior that they have, you know, would you think that they're a meerkat investor or are they an ostrich investor? Are you know, are they an owl even? Um, you you wouldn't necessarily know that. Whereas if you then can think to you know, it, the whole point was to try and decode and demystify something that could very easily be very exclusive. Um, and so yeah, I found Dominic Bailey, who's the illustrator on Instagram. Like I liked his animal pictures. And sometimes, you know, you have to accept where your fortes are, your strengths are. And I'm like, I'm r I'm I'm a good writer, I'm a, I'm am I'm a good uh, illustrator, I'm not trained, um, but you know, I'm good enough. But I need somebody to come on board and I need someone that to to have that degree of accountability with to be perfectly frank with you, so I can bounce off of. And I'm very lucky in that I found Dominic and Dominic and I think very similarly. And, you know, I'm sure in the first instance, he was like, what is this woman doing? like approaching me out of nowhere. Like we both worked at the BBC together, but not together. Like we didn't really know each other um, at all. And I just approached him and he said, yeah, all right, this is really great. You know, and then he started coming up with ideas. And then eventually we got to a point where we create like a mini A A to Z in the BBC um and it did very it did well enough and then we thought okay this would be a great book idea and then it was again from that point then having to take ownership ourselves um to try and get it out because you know we we're finding we have this huge spreadsheet where we just kept finding terms you know piggy bank yeah yeah it's a very simple thing that you have around around you um but you know the origin of the piggy bank I think is from like the 1450s um where it, when they were there was an earthenware pot which was called the pig and so then when um sculptors i guess would start modeling they would use that term the pig which i think is P-Y-G-G, I might need to triple check this p y g g but use it in the form of a, of a pig um see i wouldn't have known this two years ago <laughs> but so you know you've got like a small thing so in a fair place of dominic he then did a, a lovely illustration of a pig you've then got skunk works which is um, a term that was that was created by Lockheed Martin, um, uh, where they had like you know in the war experimental an experimental group basically coming up with loads of different um ideas, and this year the government was talking about you know skunkworks projects. So this is a term again that's come up. You know you have like Apple, Google, etc. They will have little experimental departments. Um, you and all it is and for, what Dominic's done for that illustration is a, is a is a skunk is a steampunk skunk oh wow (laughs) which is really very witty because steampunk is very very experimental very sort of engineering very inventive in that respect so that's where you know it's a very simple idea but it took us a long time to persuade people that it was worth uh pursuing that it was worth a book and as i said you know now it's being used in university reading lists and it's being used also because it is so simple that you can be like, you know, you can just be like, okay, so tell me, you know, I've read about bear markets. Well, how exactly does a bear market work? And then you go, you look at the bear and then you'll read a little bit of the, the, the copy and it's just a bit like, oh, you know, um, a bear market happens because it goes down because a bear, when it's going to fight, swats, you know, it's what's down with its paws a bull is up, because when a bull is going to fight its um, horns, you know, they go up. And that idiom goes back to, like, in, you know, I think it's the 17th century, when, when the bears and bulls were be- believed to be pitted against each other. And doesn't that make it more fun yeah. than me talking about security deposits and stocks and That's shares true. and stuff? No, I don't care. I don't care about that. But I do care about the fact that I now am finding business of a lot more fun. Even, like, oh, I hope... I'm pronouncing this correctly. I'm always a bit paranoid, but you know that little cat in all the bl- in all in all the shops, which is knocking. It's um knocking its little ha- its little. I was going to call it a hand. It's little paw. Oh. The little fortune cat that everyone thinks is Chinese, and it's not. It's actually Japanese yeah. in origin, and it's like you know the maneki neko, the beckoning cat. Yeah. yeah. So we've we've included that as well, but you see that all around, but not everybody quite knows you know what it's there for and yet that falls into sort of the business categories because people bring it in order to bring you know good wealth and fortune we've even managed to include like internet terms um where we've got like the milkshake duck i don't know if you know what a milkshake we haven't got a picture sadly for that one I to include the reference so a milkshake duck is when you know somebody gets into the eye of the um they, they become a public figure as it were maybe not like by intent but and then people then say, perhaps looking into their background, into their history, into their tweets, you know, their social presence, and then realise this person who had been lauded as like this amazing person who's done something brilliant, you know, absolutely amazing. That's when that element of cancel culture comes into play because people then dig into their histories and then are like, oh, they did this a long time ago or whatever, or they've said this. And then what then happens with this milkshake duck is that they could potentially then lose their jobs, as we've seen. Yes, happen. that's true. Yeah, so there are so many different elements. I'm sad that we didn't actually get to illustrate the milkshake duck, but the fact is it's included in there. Um, you know, you're hearing about gold bugs. So we did actually illustrate a gold bug, a very simple illustration where it is a, a gold bug. And that's like an investor who is very much focused on gold. Um, oh. You know, and you're going to hear that a lot more, especially like, you know, with the pandemic and stuff. Um, so there are loads and loads of different things in here. Like, you know, meerkat investors, they always got their heads sort of, they're always standing up. If you think about a meerkat, they're like what's he doing? Oh yeah, head up. So it's being well nosy because it wants to investigate what's going on. It makes him something fun, does, isn't actually.
1: It? When I now that you've given me all these terms, I can't wait to, to you know get it. <laughs> now you've given me all these terms, I'm like, hmm, you know, when you think differently, and and that's how my mind is working after you've told me all these terms because for me it was just like a complete blur. I'm going to be completely honest. It was a complete, but you know some of them because you've seen them when you go out and you're walking around and stuff. But when you understand the terms, you're like, "Oh, that's what it means." So that's how I feel right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's that it's that light bulb moment. It's um, you know, it's like that whole oh, I can think differently. You know, we're not the, the intent isn't to make people feel stupid or thick. Yeah. It's more like, "Whoa, so this is yeah interesting." You know, I'm sure people have that with maths. I wish I could find maths interesting. I really wish I could, that I could find a concept which helps me find maths interesting. Because I I know people who who see maths as as play. And I really wish that I had that ability to be able to see maths as play. I don't have that ability, sadly. But I know that other people think, how is she able to see words as play when they don't necessarily see words as play?
1: That is really, really true. Funny you said that. Maths is actually my favourite subject.
0: (laughs) you probably see as play. I wish I had that. You know, I once like my friend just would explain. He's like, "But it's so much fun," and I'm like, "I don't like. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I don't understand. I don't have that. Clearly, I've never been able to access it in that way. Yeah. And I really hope one day that I stumble across something or someone creates a tool which will it... help click on that part of my brain. And I hope with my book that that helps people when it comes to business. And that's why I'm super proud of of the pictures of the children that have been sent to me where, like I said, they just have grabbed it and are like just looking at the pictures because that moment that they're able to then start reading it properly, yeah. they're not scared. They're not going to be like, you know, like teenage me, oh, business studies isn't for me. When, when at the end of it, everything is a business. That's true. You know, You're, and it's just about how acquiring that knowledge and that's why financial
1: literacy is so important. That is really, really true. I agree with you there. What's the best advice you have ever received from somebody that has helped you in your life?
0: It's not from somebody as such. Um, it's be kind.
1: Yeah, that's my motto.
0: Yeah, it's, be it's such kind. a simple term, um,
1: but it has so many methods to it and so many actions as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: What I have been reading, I mean, what keeps coming to my head, especially in in the um. Especially in more recent months, is Maya Angelou and the quote uh-huh. about you know people will forget what you've said, but they'll they'll never forget how how you make True them thing, feel. I yeah. might have I might have miss um, no, it's right. It. Yeah, like oh, I might have miss. I might slightly paraphrase, but but that element I've been like thinking so much about that. Yeah. And I think she really hit the nail on the head with that one because you know you do think about people on occasion. But it's that feeling that sort of sticks with you rather than than words.
1: That's true. It's that compassion or kindness, like you were saying, or that just taking time out to sit with me and have a conversation. It's the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What would you do differently if nobody was judging you in the world? Because we're constantly getting judged. And I believe we had a conversation, I think, just before we started recording, I think, about judging. But yeah. if, what would you do differently if nobody was judging you?
0: See, that's difficult because I think even if you did something differently, there would be somebody judging. <laughs> there'd always be somebody judging. What would I do differently? I, don't, I try not to have regrets with anything that I have done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if mistakes happen, yeah, they might not be ideal. But I have to keep going and I have to try and learn something from it. I think what I do differently, I wish that I was better at a younger age at coming up with more tools to equip me with confidence Um, when you're different, when you don't blend in. Because I think that would have perhaps made me a lot more stronger. Um, as I grew, although saying that, I mean, I, you know, it's it's hard. I I mean, yeah, I don't regret it, but I think you definitely see a difference between more confident kids and how they sort of pre- how they proceed in life, and and ones that perhaps shy and, and and don't feel that they have that confidence, as it were. I mean for me, I was a really shy kid. I was a child that would be going to weddings and sitting in the corner and reading my book. I had a book everywhere, it was pretty ridiculous. Hmm. And even my, my family was like, she's reading a book again, which is great on one hand because as I said it completely you know, expanded my vocabulary, made made me who I am. But on the other hand, I was so engrossed in my books that I was too shy. And that is something that, you know. I think when you're younger, it's important to have that 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 ability to to not want to just hide away and read your book and escape in you know in the words and the fairy tales and yeah and and Thomas you know Thomas and, and King Arthur and that it's like just being a bit more grounded in in that respect um, and so it's having to sort of relearn those skills or remind yourself of those skills as 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 you grow and I have to do that constantly now um you know I'm very grateful to all my children's books but at the same time (laughs) it took me a long time to learn to be very sociable um and it really is a skill
1: so it could this question kind of follows from the last one and that is when was the last time you felt like you was at total peace
0: when I was asleep probably last night. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> <Are> we sleeping. <laughs> Literally, that's probably the only I mean I say that it's I mean I say that no I mean if I okay, sleeping is clearly very very important and I recommend it to everybody because I yes. do think that's the one moment in which we are all at peace. Um what I did have is this most amazing time. So when I was in Colorado um last year um in yeah, in, and I was doing this amazing like job and, and I went to go and walk with wolf dogs. And then this wolf snogged me, well, this high content wolf dog basically snogged me, which was amazing. Um, slightly weird. As I say, it sounds slightly weird, but it's amazing because it was a muzzle greeting. Yeah. So it was basically checking me out and showing that it trusted me enough to, to explore who I am. And for you to have your face literally in the face of a wolf do- I mean, it's a wolf dog, but it is like a ni- I think it was like a 90, 99% <laughs> wolf. Um, you cannot afford to have anything but peace in your head at that moment in time, because to be face, you know, to be frank, you could just die. <laughs> <you don't> like- <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, let's face that. So that I think was probably the moment when I was like, I've got to just like focus on this and be like, I'm just who I am. I'm of no harm to anybody. Um, uh, you know, it, it is what it, it is. What it is. That was amazing. And the fact is it was, in incapt- you know, it got captured on, on camera. You, you know, you're a photographer, so you know Ooh, the, the importance of that. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky, you know, that that, that happened. And, and although I know it really put some of my friends off, because they're like, can we not see that picture? It's gross. They really, they really don't like it where you've got, like, this wolf tongue <laughs> all over your lips. Um, and, yeah, if I'm honest with you, when I'm having a really bad day, because I, I, I can't be like... Yeah, I'm successful. I'm not going to take that. One. I am definitely, I definitely have successes. But I definitely also have very like low moments as well. And I, and I think that makes me appreciate the successes more. Yeah. Um. But moments like that, sometimes, you know, whenever I think about that, I'm like, yeah, that was blimmin' amazing. That is just like, that is a high. Because who, not many people get that experience.
1: That's true. That's, true. That's definitely true. I have to yeah. put that on one of my, on my list as well, actually. I definitely have to, to put that
0: in the future. Like I can put you in touch with the woman. She's amazing. I really like her.
1: Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay that means I'm going. <laughs> but this going.
0: is the thing, like, you know, it's that whole thing where you don't know where it's going to lead. So like years and years and years ago, like my friends all know that I love wolves. I find, um, that, you know, there's an empathy degree there that, that you know, I, I find sanctuary and peace. Like in my room right now, that, you know, you can see there's pictures of wolves everywhere, like gifted to me from like friends from, like um, all over the world, as it were, um, and that's one thing that I'm very much known for. It's it's like people will tag me in pictures of like random wolves, and I'm like, thanks. Um, and in fact, like when I was in the when I went when I went to the US, like within like a week, two weeks, one of the guys that I was working with my um, in my team was like, I've got a g- gift for you. I'm like, okay, and he's like, gave me this this book to read for my t- to my time in in the US. Of, of like wolf behavior <laughs> we'd only met like two weeks previously um but you know you, uh, how many years ago it would have been 10 years yeah, 10 years so about 10 years ago like my my school friends my my close group of school friends you know for my birthday they um they got me the experience of wolf uh this these are wolves wolf walking in in reading because oh. they used to be the uk wolf conservation trust and they did they did these sessions you could be a wolf keeper for a day And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, nothing's going to top this. And you had to be really careful and you had to clench your fingers so that they didn't look like sausages, so that they wouldn't, you know, like, that they would trust you when you were like going to their, um, you know, going to the noses, as it were, and and being like, hi, this is who I am, you know. And for me to be like, that happened like 10 years ago. And then most recently, I was like, and next is pure, well, not then, they weren't not pure because they're wolf dogs. You you couldn't put a wolf, it's very difficult to put a wolf on a leash, you know, these huge creatures that, I've dreamed about since I was a child to be up close and personal with them and to have them trust me man that is peace personified it really 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 is and I think whenever I'm really sad I'm grateful to just sort of have that because not everyone will necessarily have something like that to to return to in their head
1: yeah, or in a
0: picture.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I understand that. What are the most critical changes that we must face for the future to work more efficiently within ourselves, but also with each other?
0: One thing that I've grown more aware of as I've got older, and I think also because there's probably a, um, a movement going on uh, culturally, mm-hmm. is acknowledging our identities in terms of you know life is not fair that's true and there are lots of sort of cultural infrastructures which mean that life probably for people of color will never necessarily be fair um you know and I think it's sort of it not I don't think you should accept it I think it's acknowledging that and thinking where you can to try and make to try and um see where changes can be made and to play a part in that whether it's reporting it or whether it for some it's to be more actively involved in that it's 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 being aware of that. and i think that for, for for many people um whether you're of color or not of color as it were like you know whatever background you're from is something to definitely be aware of for the future that we're in a different stage now where people are uprising or people are being far more aware of their identities and and wishing to take ownership and and wanting uh you know to wanting people to be aware of that that you know for things to not be hidden for 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 changes to be made and i think that's something to consider for future that you know now that it's it's a lot more in the open that people have to accept it's in the open and and move on with it instead of pretending that you know differences amongst race or differences you know amongst genders or you know anything else don't exist like I think intersectionality is really becoming more and more prevalent and more important when we're having conversations whatever industry you're in um and that's something i've definitely been more aware of like you know i definitely end up in places because of my merit but that's not to say that i don't think about race
1: yeah i think i think for us it's it's race and like i always say culture and color um i'm about knocking down doors and opening. New windows and doors so that if I open a window of opportunity that was hard for me to get into but I managed to get there, it would make the next person behind me's life a lot easier to be able to knock down that same door and get in so that the next person it will be even easier. And if you keep that cycle going by knocking down these doors and these windows and opening opportunities to different people of different colours and races a lot more people will be able to have an opportunity in life that they didn't expect would happen.
0: I completely concur with that. I think it, I think it is important. And that's what, you know, in terms of having visibility and and having that voice and, and uh, utilising that voice in, yeah. you know, whatever way feels comfortable for you is really, really important. Like, I could quite easily just focus on my own stuff and not get involved in so many different, you know, elements. And that's 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 not me. That's not who I want to be. You know, you need to bring other people on your journeys. Yeah. You cannot do it in isolation.
1: I think that's what makes the journey even more beautiful is when you have people with you. It's beautiful doing things by yourself, yes. But it's even more beautiful when you can say I've brought people into the opportunity or my world so that they can achieve
0: but it's but yeah that's the thing it goes beyond that it's more about you know you don't even think I think comes to a point where you're like yeah you know I say take ownership of your achievements because I do think that because it's hard it's really hard to have to have these achievements you know and you often have to go through a lot more um hoops than, than other people so when others behind you do achieve that is the best feeling you end up forget you know you end up going like my achievements they they pale they you know I did well for that time it was a great context and and no one can take that away yeah but this is amazing that they have done this and not that I was able to help because you know it's their achievement but it's just like I'm glad I did what I did to, to try and open a door or whatever, even if it was difficult. And I think when you're, because there are people above, definitely above us who have been opening doors for us, you know, yeah. you, you know, I'm very grateful for that, um, but it's tiring. And if it's, you know, if it's tiring for us, oh Lord, it would have been really, really tiring for them. Of course. For, you know, in front of us, but as you say, if it makes it easier, that's, that's no bad thing. Um, the only thing is, we do still also have to always protect ourselves, and as I said earlier, take take a break, change um, on occasion, because you don't want to burn out.
1: That's I true. I think we're
0: probably more likely to burn out because we have to factor in so many extra elements.
1: That's true. That is really true. And it's just funny you said that because all this week I've been hearing people talk about burning out. And not using too much of your energy because once you've burnt out, there your health is the most important thing you have. You can make all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health, then what is the money or power or title that you have worth? Um,
0: but yeah, so, that's that's exactly it. So for me, mental health is incredibly important in terms yeah. of you know. So I yeah I have I have this fellowship. I have a fellowship in trauma journalism, and and that involves discussing trauma that involves looking at our contributors that involves having um being aware of other journalists and storytellers and the toll that it can take on them as well as making sure that we're, we're taking care of the people who are giving us a privilege to tell their stories and so i'm i'm involved with the dark center for trauma and journalism and um, you know i try and be involved in that community quite heavily because i think it's really really important that people like me people like others you know that we are able to engage and and that we do make things less taboo for others yeah you know so I will be open and say yeah actually do you know what you know looking at beheadings or looking at deaths or you know having um contacts killed yeah it will actually take a toll on you if I'm perfectly frank with you you know constantly talking to people about difficult subjects Again, it's a privilege but at the same time you do have to be aware that it it's not easy you know that you're telling you're taking in a story and you're then sort of processing and then telling it and and it's really key you know for me i know that by me being open about the fact that it's 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 something that, you know, there are mechanisms and there are definitely tools in place and there's research around amazing research that others, you know, whether it's younger generation or my peers, have been able to feel more confident about discussing mental health challenges. And I'm really proud of that, like super proud of that because, you know, it was very... It wasn't something that perhaps people... Um, took as seriously as they might have many 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 years ago and, and now it's something that people do but at the same time there is that degree of like you know you don't want to, to take away like any shame or or whatever it's not nothing to be ashamed of when if you're if mentally you're tired or there is a challenge going on um, if the surroundings are are like that and I think that's really important for us to talk about
1: there are so many people i was talking to someone the other day and they didn't want to they were in denial that they needed a therapist and um i said why do different cultures deny the fact of whether or not they they need a therapist and then when you said it i was really proud of you for saying it because you just said yes i had a therapist and then they helped me do you understand so for me that that's a plus you are open about it um, I'm still crying I'm still trying to come to terms of why people deny the fact within different cultures that they don't need a therapist or they don't feel they need one. Um
0: it, yeah, it does happen, but yeah, that's the thing. The more dialogue we have, the more conversation we have.
1: Exactly. You know,
0: that's when it becomes more like, okay, this isn't something that is perhaps, you know that others have that you know if Prutti's had to go and seek help because, you know, she's been, she's um, gone through a, a lot, then I'm also going through a lot, my own challenges, but there's nothing to be ashamed of, like, in that respect. And for some people, do you know what? They don't want to do it. That's, that's up to, they have to be the ones who make that decision. Exactly. That's that's up to them at the end of the day. Um, but what you're doing is, again, it's like we are talking about, it's opening a door i just saying there are options around for you to consider. Just please factor that in, because you know we are in very unusual. Um, I can't say we're in an unusual world.
1: Um, you know, my is unusual.
0: It's 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 very. It can be very high pressured. Yeah, um, and so it's important to be aware of that. I think.
1: What would you like your legacy to be in the world when you say I'm done? what would you like people to think and feel about you
0: so I actually live like maybe it's my Jane Favour. I to tend to live pretty much every day despite having hope and faith for future years as if you know if if I die tomorrow I'm <laughs> so miserable but if I die tomorrow have I tried my best to 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 leave behind a legacy I actually think like that like you know have i that whole thing about making people think differently yeah that that is what I all well, that's that's what I want like so if i did you know if if they use that term in indian culture you like expired but um you know if 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 i if if that's it i'm not sad because i know that i've made people think differently and all my role now is just to keep following yeah. That purpose, whether it's in you know journalism or a different industry or whatever, because you know our careers are are, are all over the place. It's um, I've done that, and I just got to keep doing that. And as long as I stick to that that particular path, I think that's what will keep me keep me going, even when things are tough or or confusing, and I'm trying to navigate. Have I done that? Yeah.
1: so yeah that sounds good to me it's definitely something that I've definitely thought about a few times as well so having these conversations with any guest I feel is important and I always say this even before I end the podcast if it wasn't for people like yourself coming onto the show I wouldn't be able to have these conversations to educate other people and make them think differently just like what you're doing in your role of work so with that within itself is great what advice I've only got two more for you but what advice (laughs) would you give to people out there about being positive about having some kind of support mechanism even if it's them supporting themselves to do what they're doing anytime they're feeling low or without they haven't got much energy to do things, what would you say to push somebody to tell them to keep going towards their dream rather than stopping? Because we all feel stagnant sometimes in life. We really, really do. But what would your advice be to them to help them to push forward and to be positive?
0: I would say to put into place measures that make you remember that you're not alone. Because I think that's really, really important because you can end up feeling alone, whether it's through the fact, you know, you're not pushing, it's not maybe going as quickly as you would like it to go, or it's perhaps diverted in a way that you were never expecting, or perhaps it has fallen flat for a bit, which is absolutely normal because you do have peaks and troughs. Um, But having... Having something or being aware of the options, so that you don't feel alone, I think, are really important. So even like even the like you know we are in places where you actually do you know what there are people who perhaps don't have or don't believe or don't feel that they have a social support network in that respect. But you know there are the Samar- there are the Samaritans, there are phone numbers that you can call. There are um, there is uh, you know talking therapy through, if you're in the UK through the NHS. You know it, it is delayed there's no denying that but there are like lines that you can speak to and then if you, you there are places where you can reach out and um you know try and join it's it's harder now because it a lot of stuff because of us having to have got, gone through the pandemic it currently must's well, been recorded you know join up for meetups like the virtual ones yeah sort of see that there's different people around I think that's important like for me where those chance encounters have have dissolved as it were they're much harder it is about making deliberate encounters with strangers you know like a thing that you so I'm grateful that you were like do you here's my podcast you know and I listened to it and I was just like this is really interesting and I'm learning lots and that we've been able to to to, to virtually meet in an ideal world it would have been face to face but you know we're in strange circumstances and i think that's important it's it's being aware of that you know with family and stuff like con- connect with them you know even if you're having a stall moment in your project okay fine accept that that energy is not happening And rather than frustrate yourself message a your, message an old friend that you haven't perhaps spoken to in a couple in in a in a little while and be like how are you doing are you okay um you know checking in and then return to it when the time's ready. I don't think the, when some, I mean, there's, a, I think there's a difference between forcing yourself and having discipline. That's true. And I think it's a, a, accepting that because when you force yourself, I think you can end up in a worse place. Whereas when you're like, actually, that element of accountability, like I've got to get up at you know five o'clock because between five and six o'clock is my only time. For myself, because I don't have, um, you know, whatever responsibilities that you think to yourself, okay, I'll wake up, but that five to six o'clock will have a purpose because it's going to lead to this. And I think that can make a difference. Like, I know I have friends, I'm not a yogi person, but you know, I have friends who get up and and will do yoga early because that will get them set up for the day,
1: yeah, and
0: that works for them, you know. And so, people have their different mechanisms, but I think that whole element of, of putting something into place for those moments when it is difficult to remind yourself that you're not alone is really important. Like I said, for me, all of the projects that I've worked on has, have been about the moments when I've been able to push ahead is when I've been like, this is for a, a bigger purpose, mm-hmm. as it were. This is to help, ex, you know, so this many people I mean, even if it's only like three people, that's more than like me. So I, I'll take three people. Um, but you know, some, I'm often like it's more than three people. So, so that I think is really that's definitely something I've learned in the last couple of years. And and you know what? The other thing is accepting that it doesn't work for everyone. So you might be reaching out and you might not get a response. And that's and it's not great. But then it's just realizing, okay, that's fine I'll try a different method
1: and that can work that's true that's definitely true I like the way you broke that down also thank you because it just makes me think sometimes that sometimes a person can be trying to reach out but still nobody is there and then in the last instant and then I know this has happened to me actually in the last instinct when you think nobody's there and and you're about to give up something happens something happens that just saves you yeah and you're like i i just when i needed it i was just about to do this and then this happened yeah yeah i
0: think it's just remembering that that, like it's not easy i mean this is the thing i I really want to impress you know people like you know we all go through it like we're all fallible and and sometimes things are easy and sometimes things are difficult more often they're difficult than they are easy but for those highs those like wow i've done this or wow i'm smashing out of the park or wow you know with all my like you know with a huge group of people or whatever there's a lot of work gone on behind the scenes where things can be lonely things can be difficult to get to that point that's true you know, to make sure that your group is cohesive and that you've pushed towards it to make sure that you have put in the work, even though it's, it's tiring, but because you believe in that end end goal, um, you know, to accept that there will be rejections and, but it doesn't matter because well, no, it always matters, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. I can't, that, that wouldn't be fair. But then you're right. You, You still have it in you to pivot elsewhere because you shouldn't sort of rely on one thing. I think that's also really important actually yeah you know if if you rely on one thing but you know put your eggs all in one basket i think that's really unhealthy like because if that basket breaks you know your eggs potentially get will get smashed whereas if you've got lots of different i mean they talk about pillars i think and stuff if you've got lots of different elements that's really really important so i mean i'm not a therapist i'm not you know i'm not a therapist or anything like that i just think from my own lived experiences these are things that that have made me probably quite rather resilient. Yeah, and if others can learn from that. That's no bad thing.
1: See, yeah. And my last question for you is: You ready? You ready?
0: I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can see it in your <laughs> face. I can see your <laughs> face.
1: I can see it in your face. Where can we find you? and all your social medias and if anybody would like to buy your book download your book get in touch with you where can they find you she has the biggest grin on her face so I know she's ready for this
0: (laughs) I'm everywhere (laughs) um this is um so I have a portfolio website so remember so what I was saying about taking ownership um I, I realized that when I do interviews and stuff, people are always like, I've Googled you. So I was like, well, if they're Googling me, it makes far more sense to have a portfolio website so they can just Google me in one hit. Um, so, yeah, I have a website, which is um, com, which is D-H-R-U-T-I-S-H-A-H.com. Um, and then I'm on Twitter, at um I'm on Facebook, I think, Druti Shah Stories. I don't really use it that much. Instagram, Druti Journal. Basically, there are a couple of other Druti's around, as I've now realized in this internet world. Um, But I'm Druti Shah, who's always like, basically got this journalism face um so so look look for me there but i am yeah i'm on drutisha.com. although but i should explain because you're, you're i was just like holding hold, I'm, I'm doing the anglicized way and you've been so good at doing this the proper way because <laughs> i'm so used to say i wouldn't you know i don't say um, I put an accent there. um so yeah so we did have this discussion where you know you went out of your way to make sure you say my name correctly but the, the thing i find is because not everybody can roll their r's Sometimes I just have to go with the anglicised way, which is brutal. Um Also, you can hear the West London ta- twang in that one. Um, but it, it is brutal. Um But it was, I was saying to you earlier, it was quite funny because like two years ago when somebody almost called me a Dorito, like I wrote this piece, like what do you do when you're like, you know, in like a professional environment and then someone calls you a Dorito, like what, what do you do? And I'm so glad I did that. You know that whole thing differently. It, it keeps coming up again yeah. now because people talk a lot about names and the importance of names and cultural heritage. And you know, it's like you know, it gives you top. In my article, it gives you top tips about how to how to deal with it. Um, but clearly in this instance, I'm the one who's got my name wrong. Well, not wrong. I've just slightly changed my name. You're good. I'm wrong. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> God, I've got to come Anyway, so the website is www um, and it's got like a D H R because that's yes. The name. Um, yes. Yeah, cool. we're we'll
1: just putting not Dorito. I'm sure you'll find me. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the Ask People podcast for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your kindness. I want to thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a really good podcast and I appreciate you you giving me this opportunity. So thank
1: you. No, you're most welcome, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Us People podcast. And please remember, you can subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Play and any other platform that you prefer listening to. Please also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can also donate to the us people podcast by simply going to the Saviour rocks website or just typing in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another
0: Awesome. Awesome. I've been a bit ridiculous. I was like, God, I've gone so serious now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's good. It's, um, I'm, like I said, I am grateful for the opportunity. It's, um, it was intense. I'm not going to say that. Like sometimes, because I don't always talk about the, I mean, I do talk about the trauma stuff. I don't, I haven't spoken about it in a while. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, but I guess it just took an organic, um, yeah, an organic turn.